This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome back to the Blood Red channel. I'm Matt Addison, here to give you an update on some of the Liverpool players who are out on loan this season, with around a quarter of the campaign to go. We did another version of this podcast speaking about Harvey Elliott, Marco Gruwich and Taiwo Aotni a couple of months ago, with much of that still relevant if you want to go back and listen to that wherever you're listening to this podcast. But on this edition, we're talking through Loris Karius, Seth Vandenberg, Harry Wilson, Shea Ojo and Adam Lewis, all players at different stages of their careers, but all players that Liverpool are keeping tabs on to help them decide their next steps. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm joined first by Kevin Hatchard, freelance Bundesliga commentator and reporter, to talk about Loris Karius, who is, of course, on loan for the season at Union Berlin. Kev, thanks for, for joining me again on the Blood Red podcast. First and foremost, has Karius been a, a regular this season? How would you say he's getting on so far? Well, he hasn't been a regular. Uh, he had to wait for his chance. He played in a DFB Cup game, which is a, their equivalent of the FA Cup. Uh, he played against Paderborn, didn't play particularly well in that game. Then he did have a run in the team. Uh, he played well. Uh, he had uh, four games and uh, kept some clean sheets. And he certainly felt that he had given the coach Russ Fisher a problem in terms of the selection. But then... As soon as Andreas Luther, who's the number one, came back into uh, the reckoning after uh, he'd first been injured and then was given time off to attend to a personal matter, he was then given the opportunity to uh, take back the gloves. So it's been, I imagine, a frustrating time for Carriers so far. Yeah, we seem to, to ask this question a fair bit of Carriers over the last couple of seasons, but do you think there's any way that he's sort of rebuilt that confidence and, and faith in his own abilities? I mean, from what you just said there in the first answer, the answer probably is no. Well, I think the performances have been good by and large. Uh, I think he certainly hasn't looked as jittery as he has in some of the games, obviously for Liverpool and then for Besiktas. So I think there is a, a calmness there. There is still that unshakable belief in his ability, which I think is a good thing, certainly for a goalkeeper. But the basic truth of it is, is that he's at a, a club in Union Berlin who've done very well and were doing very well before he came in. And so it's very difficult for him to make a case to be the number one ahead of Andreas Luther, who is a very old school goalkeeper. He's a veteran. He's not great with his feet, but he's commanding, makes the kind of stage you would expect him to make. And so he's not the kind of keeper that's going to have a string of errors and a run of form that's going to make Urs Fischer, the coach, think, OK, now it's time to put Loris Carriers in. And in terms of, of moving forward, maybe to the end of the season and the transfer window, do you think it's time to, to sort of move on from Liverpool and go somewhere else? Do you think there'd be interest, maybe not from, from Berlin, but maybe from, from other clubs in the Bundesliga if he was to, to move back to Germany full-time? If you look at the interest in him in Germany, there is a lot. I mean, that's partially because of uh, who he's with, because there's Sophia Tomala, uh, who is his girlfriend, is uh, a very prominent uh, personality in Germany. She's a, a model and an actress, so uh, she gets uh, a fair few uh, articles in the uh, in the tabloids. So he is still a name. He's still a goalkeeper that I think uh, is respected in Germany. But would he get a number one role? That's that's the issue. And I think we have to look at the personal side of it for him as well. Because he's settled in Berlin, which is where Sophia Tamala is from, 
I think he's enjoyed that side of it. And so he has spoken fairly warmly about the possibility of staying in Berlin beyond this season. But of course, that might depend on what assurances he gets about whether he's going to get regular first-team football. I think he's only got 12 months left on his Liverpool contract come the summer. So I think a, a move probably is is fairly likely. Liverpool didn't pay a huge amount for him. I think it was about £4.7 million that they paid. How much, if you had to, to sort of estimate, would you reckon that, that Liverpool might be able to, to get for him this summer? Would it be a, a similar fee or, or possibly not even that? It's difficult because obviously the pandemic has had a big effect um, and it's going to be a supply and demand thing. You know, you'll look at the whole package, you'll look at the transfer fee, you'll look at what wages he would expect. That might rule a few clubs out if he has certain expectations. It might rule Union Berlin out in the long term. So he might have to compromise a little bit. I think Liverpool might have to compromise a little bit too. Maybe two or three million euros, but it's very, very difficult to judge given the market because all clubs have been affected. Certainly all Bundesliga clubs uh, have been negatively affected by the pandemic. It may depend how much he wants to stay in Germany, how settled he feels in Berlin, because there's a fair few clubs that you could get to from Berlin. Uh, so it might not just be a question of uh, either Hertha or Union. And so there's a lot of stuff that's up in the air. But I think what we do know, and I think what he's accepted, is that his time at Liverpool is pretty much over. And just finally then, I mean, I think it would probably be unlikely that another Premier League club might come in for him because maybe the perception of, of Carrius in England is almost irreversible at this point. We've sort of seen him decline and, and maybe people think of him in a, a certain way over in this country. But is that different in Germany? Do you think he's maybe viewed completely differently in Germany compared to, to maybe what the public think of him in England? In Germany, they had that body of work that he produced at Mainz, which was very impressive. And I think there are a lot of coaches, certainly in Germany, who remember that fondly and are aware of what he can do. I think there is a lot of sympathy for him uh, regarding what happens in the Champions League final against Real Madrid. I think, uh, you know, you'd have to have a heart of stone, really, not to have some sympathy for him uh, after that performance, which clearly upset him and clearly um, has set him back professionally. There's no doubt about that. I think he did lose confidence. That That's clear to see. I think you look at some of the mistakes he made at Bajiktas, that will underline that for you. But yeah, I think his reputation undoubtedly is better in Germany than it is in England. And it may not be a question of who thinks he's good enough. It may be a question of who thinks he's cheap enough. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm joined now by George Hodgson, Preston North End reporter for Lanx Live. And, of course, we're here to talk about Sepp Vandenberg, who's on loan at Preston for the rest of this season. Thanks for, for joining me, George. First and foremost, it's still early days, but how would you say Sepp overall has been getting on so far? Yeah, no worries. Um, he had to wait for his time to get into the team. Uh, he's on the bench, I think, for the first sort of two or three games. Um, then he came on uh, for the last five minutes at home to Rotherham. Looked good on the ball. Um, Preston lost the game in the end, but did himself no harm. And then I think he got his chance the next match, uh, home game. Played it right back, which I don't think anyone really expected. He probably didn't expect that either. But he, he just looked really assured. Um, I think the one worry for uh, Preston fans was, you know, physically could he ha handle the championship and the test that comes with that. But he didn't look out of place. Um confident on the ball, which I'm sure Liverpool fans will have seen. Um, and he's he's done well so far. Give a good account of himself. 
confident lad, um, tidy in possession. And he's, he's, yeah, he's doing all right. He's playing out of position at right back, but you wouldn't know it, which is probably the biggest compliment you could give him. Yeah, I think physically, you mentioned there, that was the big concern for me, having seen him a fair few times for, for Liverpool's under-23s and things like that. He's maybe not been the best in the air and, and things like that. I mean, how has he coped overall with the physicality? And do you think it's it's maybe helped him a little bit that he's not played centre-back and, and maybe that's the reason why he's played at right-back? Yeah, I think so. I think Alex Neil said that after his first game, that a lot of young defenders uh, maybe want to play centre-back in the long run but start out at right back and I don't, and you maybe learn sort of positioning and things like that there and maybe you don't get caught out as much. Um, so maybe that's the thinking. But physically, I can't say there's been too many times where you've thought, wow, he's really struggling. And the manager thought that would be his, his biggest test. I think he said something like, it'll be interesting to see when that first ball goes up in the air and there's someone six foot four throwing their elbow in his face and, and how he deals with it. But like I said, not, not too many times. I think, Millwall away was probably the one where he struggled a bit, but that was probably down to the shape of the team and, and the other players not really helping him that much more than anything than him struggling himself. So, no, he's he's done pretty well so far. And I think I think there's I read somewhere that there's an option for Preston to take him again next year. And I think based on how he's done so far, most fans would be happy to see him come back again for next season. Yeah, obviously he's been playing at right-back so far. Has he played at centre-back? at all and is it the plan to, to move him to centre-back or, or have they essentially brought him in to play that right-back role? Yeah, no, we've not seen him at centre-back yet at all. Uh, sort of, it's a difficult one because Preston have lost Ben Davis, as obviously Liverpool fans know. They've also lost Patrick Bauer, who's the first-choice centre-back with Davis gone. So neither of them are here. But we've also lost our first-choice right-back as well, Darnell Fisher. So the whole defence is being patched up at the minute. And Sepp sort of had to fill a void in the team, which he probably didn't want to, uh, but he's done a good job there. And next season, if he was to come back, hopefully Preston would have a couple of right-backs in and he could play more at centre-half where he, you know, he wants to play for Liverpool. So, yeah, I have to see how it goes. But no, I've not seen him at centre-half yet. But I've not seen anything to suggest he'd be really struggling there. So hopefully we can see that before the end of the season. And in terms of sort of other aspects of it off the pitch, do you know sort of how well he's, he's settled into the group? Is he a leader? Is he vocal or, or anything like that? Uh, well, he's great to speak to in the media. Uh, Spots him a couple of times. A uh, really sort of bubbly character. Can see why he fits in at Liverpool. In terms of settling in, I think a few of the other lads have said he's quite quiet, which I found surprising because he was really confident when we spoke to him. Really good to talk to. But I guess they're not really having much time off the pitch to really socialise or anything at the minute. So it's probably just a case of sitting in meetings, getting on the training pitch and cracking on. So by all accounts, he's settled in well. It's a good dressing room at Preston. So I think he's learning a lot and enjoying it uh, based on what we've seen, we've heard from him so far. And you mentioned the the option. I think it's the, the first refusal, isn't it, for next season that they could get him yeah. back on on loan. Do you think it, it's likely, given the performances so far, that, that Preston would be keen to do that? Yeah, there's a few good uh, young players on loan at Preston at the minute, and Sepp's one of them. We've got a keeper from Leicester, uh, midfielder from uh, Brighton, Jason Lumby, and Anthony Gordon as well from Everton, who've, and they've all done pretty well. So. No offender, the manager said there's a big overhaul coming in the summer um, and I'm sure Sepp would be, based on his performances so far, be on that list to try and get him again next season, uh, which I think could help. I don't think 
would is it fair to say he's not going to be in the first sort of team picture at Liverpool? So might be a good move for for both parties. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a loan somewhere. It'd be interesting to, to see if it is Preston. And just before we finish, then you mentioned Ben Davis before. I suppose we'll throw in a, a quick question on him. Obviously, Liverpool fans haven't seen a great deal of him so far, only in training, in fact. But uh, I'm sure you'll have seen a fair bit of him. Is there a, a message of support for him almost that, you know, he will make it at Liverpool one day? What what would you say to, to Liverpool fans in terms of, of what to expect when we do eventually see him? Yeah, I'm really surprised he's not got his chance already. Ben was one of the top performers in the Championship. If you were to look at the Championship and, and pick a centre-back that you think would be able to go and help Liverpool in sort of their time in need, he'd have, he'd have been right up there, left-footed, great on the ball, doesn't get bullied around, quick across the ground. Um, just sort of, I thought he'd get in there straight away, but it's not happened. Uh, I think Kabak's obviously been preferred over him. And I just hope it doesn't get to the summer and, you know, Liverpool get these players back and he, he never gets his chance because he, he really deserves it. He's a good player. Uh, gave us eight years of service, came on leaps and bounds. And I think I read Klopp's comments the other day um, saying that he's doing well in training and he'll get his chance. And I, I hope he does because I think there's nothing to suggest he, he won't be able to handle it. Obviously, it's a massive challenge for him, but... He, he could deal with the physicality of the championship fine and then I think it's just the speed of the Premier League which would be his biggest test but Davis has all the qualities to deal with that and I, I hope he gets his chance soon. Yeah, absolutely, I'm sure we'll see him at some point. Liverpool have obviously bought him for a reason so hopefully he gets a chance before the end of this season. George, thank you very much for, for your insight and your time this morning. Appreciate it. No worries. Cheers, Matt. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm joined now by Glenn Williams, Cardiff City correspondent for Wales Online, to get the lowdown on Harry Wilson's season so far. Glenn, thanks for joining me. First and foremost, what have been your general impressions of, of what the Welshman's been doing this season? Yeah, well, look, I think um, when he came, I think it was it, it brought a lot of fanfare, and rightly so. I think he's a, he's shown with his previous clubs, you know, Derby and Bournemouth, and also with the Welsh national team that you know he's a top top player. And, you know, I think we can all agree that he's a Premier League player and or a Championship player. So I think it was a, it was a massive coup for the club when when they managed to get a hold of him on deadline day. Um, and you know, but but with that also comes expectation, doesn't it? You know, like we've obviously seen him grow up here from from when he was a young kid playing through the the Wales age groups and stuff. So everyone knows what he's capable of, and you know, with that, a lot of expectation comes as well. And he and he's still a young kid. You know, I think that because he's been around the block a little bit for, you know, four or five years in the public eye. I think a lot of people expect a lot from him. But um, in general terms, um, he's been excellent. He's been really good. And, and it has to be said as well, this isn't particularly a system that suits him or it hasn't been because of the sort of style of football Cardiff adopt. He, he probably would thrive a bit more in other teams. But he's, he's been he's been really, really good and he's adapted his game. And I think he's learned a lot as well. How much would you say he's come on this season? Has he been a regular for, for Cardiff and, and has he sort of made himself a, a key player for them this year? Yeah, I mean, he was, he was a kingpin under Neil Harris. Neil Harris loved him, played him every opportunity he could. Mick McCarthy came in and sort of shook it up a little bit and dropped him for the first two games, um, which, you know, was a surprise. But, you know, Mick McCarthy's the manager who's been there, been there, done that and... He said, no player has got a divine right to be in my team when I asked him about it after that first game. So, fair enough. He sort of made his, made his stance clear and marked his card a little bit. But 
it doesn't seem to have phased him. He's he's come on leaps and bounds again. Just went went on with it as you'd expect him to. You know, under Neil Harris at the start of the season, he was sort of the main focal point, which jarred a little bit with how Cardiff were trying to play, and I think that's why results weren't particularly going too well. But he's got a new role, a bit of a different role under um, Mick McCarthy because he's changed the system a little bit. So he's playing as sort of a sole 10 with two strikers in front of him and he looks far more effective in that system. Whereas under Harris, he was playing as a 10, but maybe with one striker in front of him or, or maybe just shoved out, out to the right wing a little bit. And he just sort of struggling a little bit, but with flashes of brilliance. Now he's a far more consistent performer, I think, under Mick McCarthy. I think that's because the system suits him a lot better. He was so highly rated when he came through at Liverpool and still is to an extent, but it's maybe in terms of, of Liverpool terms, maybe been overtaken a bit by, say, Harvey Elliott, who's, of course, in the same division as him at, at this moment in time. I mean, has there been enough to suggest that the next season Harry Wilson will be maybe back on a few people's radars, back in the Premier League, do you think? Or, or do you think maybe the Championship has suited him and, and he should stay at that level? Um, my thoughts on this have been fairly consistent the whole way through. Um, I think that Harry Wilson's a Premier League player all day long. Now, where in the Premier League he suits, I'm not sure as yet. He's far too good for the Championship. You plonk him in any Premier League team and he's going to do well. I mean, his left foot is too good to be waving around in the Championship, you know? Um, and it was more by luck, really, that Cardiff got him because that deal with, with Burnley fell through because they couldn't meet on the price, could they? So. Um, He's definitely done more than enough to um, to win a Premier League uh, contract next season, I would think. I mean, I know Cardiff fans would love to have him, but if Cardiff don't get promoted, there's no chance of him coming back, I wouldn't think. But, um, yeah, look, I, I, nothing, nothing that's happened this season has dissuaded me from the, the school of thought that he's, he's a Premier League player. And, you know, the next five years now, he needs to carve out a good Premier League career for himself, I think. And I, I think he's earned that. And I think a lot of people would share uh, share my thoughts on that. I know there's a lot more to the game, obviously, than, than goals and assists and that sort of thing. But have they sort of been coming regularly for him this season? That's something that we always sort of tend to, to look to young players for, not just that they're performing well, but maybe the, the numbers are there to, to back that up as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, certainly since Mick McCarthy's um, taken over, I think he had, he's had five assists in nine games and a goal um, in that time. So that, that goes to show just how much this new system suited him. Um, the start of the season, a lot of his assists were coming from um, set pieces. So obviously, as, as everyone knows, he's a brilliant free kick taker, and he also takes corners for Cardiff as well. And and Cardiff tend to utilise their sort of height and strength um, in the box because they're sort of. I think Jonathan Woodgate called them. Um, it's like the land of the giants when you play against Cardiff City. So you know, just kind of horses for courses. They 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 play to their strengths in that sense. But since McCarthy's taken over, yeah, five assists in nine games and a goal. Um, and and his all round play as well. I think he's learned he's learned to link up a little bit smarter because this is a different sort of team to you know the Bournemouths and and even Derby before that. And and Liverpool, where obviously um, he's been brought up, this is a different style of play, and I think it's been really useful and beneficial for him as well to learn that side of the game. You know, he's had to be a bit smarter. He's had to draw fouls. He he knows the importance of of dead ball situations. So he's been very clever in that sense. Um, so he's learning different things. And, you know, the championship is is going to make you learn those things because it's it's a very different beast to the Premier League. Um, but no, I think his all round contribution um, has been excellent. We just start to see the sort of end product 
side of it now, the last nine or ten games. Liverpool wanted around £20 million or, or so for Harry Wilson at the start of last summer. Obviously, COVID has then affected prices. What would you say would be a, a reasonable amount to, to sort of think about for, for this coming summer if we expect him to, to maybe move on as he almost did, as you say, to, to Burnley last season? What would be a, a reasonable fee, do you think? But what is a reasonable fee in this market, eh? But I, I personally, I think twenty million is is steep. They know, and I love him, and everyone in Wales loves him. I got Wales rugby shirt. They know as patriotic as it comes. Um, I, th- I think twenty million is a lot of money. Um, you know, it's somewhere below sort of fifteen million. I think fifteen million is not unreasonable at all. I mean, we saw Joe Rogan go to Spurs um, from Swansea in the in the last window for somewhere between twelve and fifteen. I think it was. Um, and attacking players do come at a premium as well, you know. So if you're going by those sort of benchmarks, I think 50 million is is reasonable. And you have to remember, he's still only young; he's 23. He could conceivably have 10 really good years in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect somewhere between 12 and 50 million for, for Harry at all. Yeah, absolutely. And just before we we finish, I wanted to to have a quick chat about Shea Ojo as well. He's obviously on loan this season at Cardiff as well from Liverpool. Just quickly, who's sort of impressed you the most this season? I assume that's Harry Wilson. And and how has has Ojo been getting on? Yeah, you know, it's close, that. It's close. I I really, really rate Shea. I think he's he's a really, really top player. Um, And he surprised me a little bit. Not not because I didn't think he was going to be a top player, but just because his signing kind of went under the radar a little bit. Because um, Kiefer Moore has been tearing her up, and he's been, you know, the signing of the season probably not only for Cardiff but pound for pound, maybe in the championship. Harry Wilson, you know, he comes with that sort of star, star quality, and you know, he has that Welsh tie as well. So there was a lot of fanfare around him. But Shea just kind of slipped in under the radar, and I, I think he's a really, really good player at this level. Um, anyway, I think he's a really, really good player. Um, really, he just needed a bit of confidence, I think, at the start. Now, now he's got that confidence, running with the ball. Um, he's not afraid to take on defenders. Um, he pops up in some really good areas as well. You know, he went through a little, um, a really nice scoring streak um, a couple of months back. And he was just sort of popping up in almost like striker's positions, you know, just popping up in the box and tapping home, that sort of stuff, which was an add-on to the good stuff he was doing out on the wing as well. And as a result, Mick McCarthy's changed the system. So he plays Kiefer Moore up front with a winger now. So... Um, Shea Ojo and Josh Murphy have kind of been um, swapping over to play up front with Kiefer. And that's really suited him as well. Um, he scored, I think he scored two goals since since Mick has come in. But, um, you know, Shea's Shea really impressed me. And he's really impressed a lot of Cardiff City fans as well. A lot of them um, want him permanently next season. Um, what that means in terms of how much Liverpool would want from him mon- monetary-wise, I don't know. I It seems he hasn't got a future maybe at Liverpool. I mean, you, I, you might know more than me on that. But I think Shea, he's had a lot of loan spells the last five, six, seven years. I think he wants to settle down somewhere. And I think Cardiff's a perfect club for him. I know fans have taken for taken to him um, and would love to see him sign permanently in the summer. So it remains to be seen if that happens. But um, really impressed with him. Honestly, I re- really have been. He's been really, really good. Yeah, I think it, it probably is time for, for him to find a, a permanent home in Cardiff if he's settled in that well. It, it seems to to make a lot of sense. Is, is that, do you think, a, a realistic one to, to look ahead to the summer? If Certainly if, if the player himself was interested in it, it sounds like Cardiff certainly might be interested. I'd certainly like to think so. Um, 
in terms of wing options, I know Mick has changed this, so they're not playing with conventional wingers at the minute. But Junior Hoylet's out of contract this summer. Um, Gavin White is currently on loan at Hull City, so that leaves only Josh Murphy and Shea Ojo. You know, so wing is going to be a position that they're going to be looking at this summer, or at least wide players to give them the option of playing wingers. Um, and Shea's been tried and tested. I know Mick likes him. He said um, in his first training session, he said Shea was different class. You know, and then he's shown that by he's, he's been picking him, him and Josh Murphy been sort of alternating. Um, I'd like to think it's a viable option, but as is the case, it all comes down to cost. And, you know, if Liverpool are looking for like five million for him, Cardiff won't pay that. You know, so if, if it's somewhere near half of that, they might have a look at him. But um, I just think it's going to be all dictated by the price. I, I definitely think that they would be interested at the right price, though. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And last but not least, here to speak about Adam Lewis is Chris Errington, Plymouth reporter for Plymouth Live. Plymouth, of course, in League One, so the division below Vandenberg, Harry Wilson and Shea Ojo. So, Chris, how would you sort of rate Adam's time at that level so far? Is that the, the right level for him to be playing at, do you think, this season? Um, I think it's been a bit up and down for him, to be honest, Matt. Um, he, he came to Argyle and um, scored on his full debut. They went up to Sunderland on a Tuesday night in January. And uh, he scored an early goal for them, playing as a wing-back, which is the position that um, Ryan Lowe has been using him. And, and that was a great start to his Argyle career for him. Um, they had an FA Cup tie at Sheffield United the following Saturday, which I'm sure he would have started. But he picked up an injury in training the Friday before that game. And um, ever since, he's been a bit in and out of the team. Uh, hasn't quite worked for him. Uh, I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. Um, so is it the right standard for him? Difficult to say so far. Um, I'd like to see him play a bit more and start games, but he's in that catch-22 situation where his performances perhaps haven't been good enough to be a regular in the team. And so he's having to try and make an impression coming off the bench. And as as all fans know, coming off a bench every game and trying to impress and force your way into the team isn't isn't always that easy. What do you think then for, for the rest of this season? Is it likely that he can force his way back in? Have you seen enough to, to sort of think that, that Ryan Lowe might choose to, to play him a little bit more frequently? The opportunity is definitely there for him. You know, Argyle are looking for an, a left wing back. Um, George Cooper, who used to be at Peterborough United and Crew, would have been the first choice. He picked up a knee injury. That's why Ryan Lowe went into the, uh, into the market to get Adam Lewis down to Argyle. He was a player that he knew before. He tried to sign before. So he was, he was well aware of what he was getting with Adam Lewis. I think if things had gone well, Adam would have slotted into that left wing back role and played every game. Hasn't worked out that way for the, the reasons I described earlier. Connor Grant, who's an, an Everton Academy product, has, has ended up playing quite a lot of the games at left wing back. Um, so it's it's between the two of them pretty much about who's going to play that position. Unfortunately, um, Adam had a bit of a bad game against Ipswich on Saturday. Um, he was recalled to the team, played at wing back. And then in the fourth minute, um, I'm sure he would tell you this himself. He played a really bad back pass, tried to pick out the Argyle goalkeeper, got nowhere near him, intercepted goal for Ipswich. And Ipswich went on and won that game 1-0. And um you know, although you don't lose a game because of one individual, clearly when you make a, a poor mistake like that, um, that does stand out in a 1-0 defeat. So 
Oh, they'll have another game coming up against Milton Keynes on Tuesday. It'll be interesting to see if Ryan Lowe keeps faith with Adam Lewis after that error and, you know, backs him to, to bounce back and show his strength of the character, which he will have to do. Or could that mean that Conor Grant returns at left wing back? So, um, yeah, very much up in the up in the up in the air for Adam. Um, the opportunity there is there. If he can get himself into the team and put two or three good performances in, there's no reason at all why he can't stay there for the rest of the campaign. He's obviously started off as a, a midfielder at Liverpool, played in a, a midfield three quite often, then has moved to, to left back. He seems to be playing quite frequently at, at left wing back these mm -hmm. days, but. Is there an opportunity maybe for him to, to get into the team anywhere else or, or is he seen purely at, at Plymouth as a left wing back? Yeah, I think he's pretty much as a, as a wing back, Matt. Um, the manager has mentioned before that he has played in midfield, so it is an option. But um, Argyle are quite strong in terms of their the strength of their squad. The sort of central midfield positions is quite strong. They've got plenty of options in there. Um, and so the one place that, that Adam's really going to play is wing-back, I think. Uh, Ryan Lowe nearly always plays with wing-backs. He very, very rarely plays with a flat-back four. So I don't think he's going to play as a, a left-back. It will be a left wing-back for Argo. That, that, that's the position that he needs to nail down. I, I can't really see him playing anywhere else in the team. I think one of Adam's big strengths is his set pieces, his corners, his free kicks. Have you seen much of, of that? Has he been given that responsibility so far? He's he's taken a few corners and set pieces when he's been on the pitch. His, his crossing ability is good. I, I think, you know, on what I've seen, and it's only a small sample size, you know, when he goes forward in that wing-back role and gets into the attacking third, he can put some good crosses into the box. Um, credit to him at, at Ipswich on Saturday after making such a bad start to the game. He was pushing down that left-hand side and getting some really good crosses in. Argo didn't capitalise on them, but he was he had the... He had the, um, the the character to get forward, forget the mistake he'd made and was putting in some good balls. So he's definitely, on what I've seen, one of those left-back, left-wing-backs who are probably better going forward than perhaps doing the defensive side of things in his own defensive third. And that would appear to be an area that he might need to work on and improve. Yeah, certainly got a, a lot of, of quality and talent, but... Uh... A little way to, to go maybe in that regard. Just in terms of away from the pitch, how has he sort of settled in? He was obviously on loan in, in France earlier mm. in the season. Didn't quite work out for him there. But looking at his, his social media, his Instagram and things like that, he seems to be settled in the, the south of England really, really nicely so far. It's a nice part of the world down here, Matt. Um, you know, it's a long way from from anywhere else. And that's always one of the, the drawbacks if you're a Plymouth Argyle player that you're, you're probably going to be a long way from home, but I think one of the one of the strengths is because they're they're a closely bunched unit. You know, they they spend a lot of time together. The amount of travelling they've done in 2021 and the amount of time they've sat on a team coach, um, it's an awful lot of time. You know, when you're going to Huddersfields and Sheffield United and Sunderland and Doncaster and you know everywhere that you go, that they spend a lot of time together. And if you've got the right group of players, and you have to have the right group of players. They can really come together and really form a very tight-knit unit. Um, and I think that's what they've done. This this group is a tight-knit unit. They welcome people into the, to the group. Um, there is the sort of the Liverpool connection with, with Ryan Lowe, obviously being from the city and a big Liverpool fan. And um, there's a couple of uh, Evertonians in the squad in terms of Connor Grant and Neil Dewsnip, who used to run the Everton Academy, is now the Argyle Director of Football, Stephen Schumacher, former Everton player. So there's a 
there's a Liverpool sort of connection to the group. And I'm sure that has made life a lot easier for Adam in terms of making the transition into living in Plymouth and playing for Plymouth Argyle. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed he can get himself on the pitch a little bit more consistently for the rest of this season. I'm sure you'll see the, the full version of, of what we know from Adam Lewis so far. But uh, yeah, Chris Arrington from the Plymouth uh, Live website. Thank you very much. No problems at all, Matt. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.